so welcome along this is ollie and me catching up with each other after such a long time so we don't know where we're going to go with this but um it's lovely to see you again ollie how are you doing yes not bad how are you yes well getting on with it getting back to some sort of normality we're, we're almost released out of lockdown we're waiting for the um final release which we don't know if it's going to happen but hopefully it will and um we hopefully can all get it back will to if it's right to do so <laughs> although that's right yes i i'm struggling to, i i'm not sure i know for like for big events for weddings and things like that it is important but i think for most people daily lives i'm not sure much else can change now can it other than social distancing and masks everything's pretty mm. much open Yes. And I can't see masks, them saying, oh, no, don't worry about masks in shops anymore. I think there'll still be a mask mandate of some sort, even after July 19th, is it? Yeah. It would feel really strange to not wear a mask in a shop now, especially yeah. when you're standing close to people. Yeah, I, I I've not liked being weird. close to people all my life. So, uh, so this, is, <laughs> this whole kind of don't be within two metres of people, it's, it's suited me down to the ground for the last year and a half, I'll be honest. So uh, not having to breathe the same air I, as them. I have to agree with you. <laughs> I have to agree with you. I think it was actually designed around my lifestyle, which is basically being a hermit. Exactly. Being, Stay indoors, yeah. don't go and see anyone. <laughs> oh, perfect. Now I don't even need an excuse. <laughs> I don't want to be sociable with the world anyway, so it's fine. But, I mean, I know it's not fine for everybody, so it's not really a laughing matter. But um, for those of us introverts, then uh, it's been pretty awesome in some respects. Yeah. So When I've heard um, people saying, you know, we can hug again. It's like, no, don't touch me. Don't. <laughs> not without my consent. <laughs> Let's, let's not well, do I've that. always been a hugger. I've always yeah. been a hugger, but uh, I don't mind with I consent. I just think random people, or people <laughs> you work with, who you don't really like, going, "Oh, give us a hug." It's like, no, no, let's not do that. No, let's keep it to a limit of uh, interaction. Exactly. But um, well, where are we up to then? So we're nearly out of lockdown. Uh, the cases are rising again in the UK yep. slightly, but not the hospitalisations. So exactly. we're having a case demic. Case-demic is what it's called. Um, yes, and what else is happening? We've had the um, Matt Hancock. Matt Hancock. <laughs> Mr. Hansy Hancock. Hooray! That was an interesting video, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it, uh, it felt like a little bit of a Me Too moment because I she didn't look overly comfortable at times in that thing. And, and that wasn't because she was being recorded because I don't think she knew. But it was no. like, Matt, just put your hands on her back. You don't have to touch her ass every 30 seconds. Just calm yes. yourself down. Yes. You have to... Um... It was the way he sneakily looked out of the door as well and <laughs> made sure the coast was clear. And then... He's such a smarm. I hate him. I think the worst bit is <laughs> the world expecting but... Boris Johnson to do anything about it. You know, Marwish, Boris Johnson has no moral high ground when it comes to affairs or playing by the rules or doing things properly that... That's why he forgave him immediately and then said the matter is closed, which makes me want to smack him in the face. The but I'm not closed. advocating violence, but yeah. um, 
when he says the matter is closed, I think you little upstart, just because you say those words does not mean that the matter is closed. And it's very much... So get off your high horse. Exactly. It's very much, listen, plebs, stop talking about it now. I've had enough talking about it, so you lot shouldn't have to talk about it anymore. And it's like, eh. Yes. No. It tells you something, though. It's like dictatorship. The only way to get sacked from a Boris Johnson government is to sack yourself. Yes. Well, it was untenable, let's face it. There was no way he could have... He, there was no way. They would have lost all credibility if he'd stayed in post. Yeah. There would have been absolutely no way that anyone would have given them any respect. I mean, they're on thin wicket, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. I oh, bet but Dominic they have been Cummings, on for the last year, haven't they? Yes, but they still get the votes. They've lost one by-election. Yeah. That's our only ray of hope. Um, Dominic Cummings must be whooping for joy that he's finally gone. Yeah, I, uh, Dominic Cummings is one that confused me because I, with every ounce of my body, want to dislike the guy and do dislike yes. the guy. Mm. And yet you kind of go, come on, Dom, what else have you got, Dominic? Come on, what else have you got? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming. Well done. Well done. But I don't like you and I find you slimy and I don't like what you stand for and I find your politics abhorrent and let's be honest you're he's not un unfond of a, a racist trope or something like that to get a point across and to to bow down to to those people to get his vote and so i don't want to like him in any way shape or form but i also want him to you know come on keep releasing those whatsapp messages keep talking about whatever it is and it's yeah it's, it's a difficult pers- place for us to be sometimes isn't it it is, but I think it's the same position when people like from the Trump administration are, are um, subpoenaed and then they start talking about Trump. It's that same sort of feeling. You're like, well, I hate you, but I really, really, really want you to carry on doing what you're doing and because you're going to, you know, you're going to spill the beans. And it proves that just in, in that, and I don't know, I don't want to say it on the right. I think it's more within populism specifically. So within that brand of politics. Because populism is, at its heart, a very selfish, me, 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 you know, it. I, I want people to like me and, and I will give the people what they want so they like me and I will I will say whatever I have to say to get voted in and to get power, that actually there's very little loyalty in there. So once, you know, you have your inner circle and it all works for one moment, but the moment somebody feels slighted, they will turn on you quicker than you know anything. We've seen it within the the Trump administration. We've seen it within um, now with Dominic Cummings and with other people that have spoken out about Boris Johnson in the past. You know, populism gets you so far, but it's also the thing that will take you down as well. I think, and that, that might be what we'll start seeing very soon. Yes, yeah, interesting. I hadn't connected it up in particular with populism, but. I can see I can see what you're saying because it does seem like the administ- the Trump administration just turns on itself constantly. I mean, he's thrown out so many people and they've yeah. turned on him and it keeps on going and it will keep on going. I I just think that's the, what it's modeled on. It's like you're my friend until I don't need you anymore and then um I'm going to uh expose you for what you really are. It's doing what you have and to the, do to get the, into power. And if that means yeah, pretending the, to the like Tories somebody... are the same. Yeah, the Tories are exactly the same. 
and um, Cummings did that terrible sin of uh, pushing through the Brexit agenda. So I'll never have my forgiveness for that. And, and I, I, I think to be fair, I, I think it's, I, I wouldn't say as much as it's Tories or it's, it's Republicans, because I don't think all Republicans are populist. And I think there are That's some, true. there are some like Mitt Romney's and decent people out there. And it's the same on the Tories, mm. you know, there were people that, that stood up against Brexit and people like Rory Stewart, again, who his politics may be mm. sometimes not the best, but Ken Clark, you know, people who we may oh, have, yes. people who we may have Hesseltine. Hesseltine. So there are many people that we may have disagreements with, yes. but their disagreements on, on ideology, um, but you can kind of go, okay, but they're doing it because they believe it. The different, it's why I make that difference with populism, which is, which often is lacking any moral or ethical or even ideological foundation. It's all based on the here and the now. What can get me into power? What can get me elected now? What do I have to say now? That's why Johnson can say to business leaders, there'll be no problems with the, Nor the Irish border. Because that's what they want to mm. hear at that moment in that room. So he will say it. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It doesn't matter. Mm. If it gets them on side mm. and makes him look like the good guy, he'll say it. You know, if you have to say to fish, the fishing people, uh, fish, fish, fisher people, I want to say fishermen. And then I kind of feel, <laughs> oh, no, that's not. Is it fisher people, fisher persons? <laughs> people, the fishing industry. When you say to the fishing industry... Um, you know, oh no, it's fine. It's going to be better because you'll be able to fish our own waters and everything. without mentioning, but actually, the most of what we can fish in our waters, it was the EU that bought it all, and now we can't get it to them because of processes of you know being a third country. Nigel Farage has always been based in populism. You know, it's I'll say something racist mm -hmm. if I know that saying something racist will get me votes, then I will say it, and then mm -hmm. I'll tell you it's not racist, but we know it is. So, yeah, so I, th I think that's why I, I, I draw the line. Personally, I, I draw the line between it being a party issue and actually just an ideological or a lack of ideological issue that it's certain people within those parties that mm. are populist and are... which makes them unpredictable and makes them dangerous, but also makes them turn on each other and, you know, no loyalty it's almost whatsoever. as if there's a a sort of a personality trait involved in that somehow. Yeah. Well, separate I, it from politics. I think you have to be able to just throw your morals and ethics out of the window. And that you don't think about how you really think about things. You just think about what, what sounds good and what sound bite and what gets you elected. And if it's egregious, it's egregious. That's fine because it gets you elected. It doesn't matter if, so we lose, we lose all, principle i guess from 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 that part of politics and then it's hard for someone like keir starmer who is i would say is a principled politician mm. to fight through that because when you're when you're ruling on your principles and this is maybe where dare i say her name Mar margaret thatcher whether you agreed with her or not and i didn't on most things mm. but at mm. least you knew she was doing it because she believed it she was doing it because that, and she knew that it might be unpopular, but she would do it because she believed it. It was her principles. And that makes it easy to argue, because you can argue against, well, that's not the right thing to do, or that's not the wrong thing to do. 
if somebody is saying, but that's what I want to do. So somebody's stuck on their principles. When somebody will change their mind every 30 seconds and change the past every 30 seconds and change history and change what they've said and will say whatever they want to now, knowing that they can change what they say in the future and their supporters will still support them because they're saying the right thing, it's really hard to have that battle. And that's where, you know, it's why Joe Biden, although he won the election, when when you look at the number of votes, it wasn't a landslide. It wasn't as much as you or I would think he should be winning by. Boris Johnson had an election based on populism and he gained seats. Now, again, that was against Jeremy Corbyn. So you can argue that the Corbynite ideology was never going to get through on a mass scale in the country. But... Mm. You know, he, yes, he's lost a by-election, but I still don't think Keir Starmer's cutting through where he needs to. And a bit of me thinks he doesn't need to. He should, I think he should, but a bit of me thinks that if they're all going to keep eating each other, that the people that take the Tories down will be the Tories. You just have to let them get on with it. Yeah. You know, you just have to put them in a room and just let them fight it out, but... But we should still have a decent opposition at the moment. I think Keir Starmer is struggling to be a decent opposition, which is sad because I had lots of hopes for him. It is. Go back. I'm not going to. I'm not going to change history of what I said. I was looking forward to him being leader of the opposition. I was. And, I um, was, it's... and I am a little bit deflated by him now, um, underwhelmed by him. Yeah. Um, sadly, in fact, when John Burko joined the Labour Party, <laughs> I had a little bit of a twinge of like, ooh. Maybe John Burko could lead the Labour Party. That Maybe would be a scream. Agree. That'd be Although hilarious. he's not an MP at the moment, is he? Isn't he? No, because he. I think he stepped down at the last election, didn't he? Which is why he. So he was obviously a Tory MP, and then officially, when you become Speaker, you become an Independent. Mm. And then I think he stepped down a as Speaker, but also as a as a um, an MP at the last election, which is why they were talking about putting him in House of Lords. Because he should have gone into the House of Lords if you go by the usual um, tradition. But obviously the Tories didn't put his name forward, despite that being tradition. So, yeah, so I don't think he's an MP at the moment. But, um, yeah, it, it, it that was an interesting, um, not, not wholly unsurprising. Because his wife, who used to be a Labour MP, I believe, wasn't she? Um, is it Sally Burko? She used to be a Labour MP and he was a Tory MP. So it doesn't surprise Gosh. me. I don't think the switch is as much of a shock as maybe um, maybe some people think. No, well, all of his positions that he took in Parliament, even though he's supposed to be neutral, they were all seemingly agreeable to me. Anyway, most of the time he was defending things which I thought were... Most of the time, you know, not all the time, but I think he was always... Again, he he was... <laughs> I think he was principled. And I think he, he had a troubling past as as far as things that he said and things that he did and groups he was part of. And I think what I like is the fact he's acknowledged that and he said I was wrong and I shouldn't have been in those groups and I shouldn't have been standing for those things, but I was young and that's where I was and now I realise that's wrong. Um, mm. But I think what he did is he stopped Theresa May, Boris Johnson, David Cameron to a, to an extent of just riding roughshod over parliament now one thing and again it's it's where the cognitive dissonance must just bite for some people because remember the, the reason if 
if people didn't want to bring immigration, which was often the reason, but when people talk about Brexit, it was taking back control. Our parliament should have control. It shouldn't be mm-hmm. Europe telling us what to do. Okay, that's fine, but you've got to understand what a parliamentary democracy is if you're going to call for it. And if you're going to call for a parliamentary democracy, you realise that means that we don't have a dictator. We don't have somebody that can just go, I want to do this and therefore it gets done. It has to go to parliament, it has to be debated and it has to be voted on. You can't just mm-hmm. push things through the bank door. Um, so, you know, if you're going to call for more democracy, for parliamentary sovereignty, understand what those fucking words mean before you shout it too loudly. Because <laughs> you, what you can't do is the minute you get parliamentary democracy start moaning about it in the same way that when you say i want it should be our parliament it should be our judges and our courts making decisions then you can't moan when our supreme court says no you can't just leave it has to go through parliament you can't moan and call them enemies of the people because it's what you wanted yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of joined up thinking in in the world right now i don't think i feel like it's all a little bit uh hazy and sketchy things going on that uh you know i've been it's an erosion of trust it's binary thinking so it's you know it has to be a or b you know there's no no middle ground there's no nuance to anything anymore and that's just Mm. not the, the the realities of the world we live in but it feels like sometimes and that's why partly i had to pull away from social media for a while and why i have to every now and then just take breaks and go, actually, no, I need to get back into the real world and, and back into my surroundings and, and things like that, because otherwise the online online world can be a very false representation of what the real world is like sometimes. Mm. And it may be a form of representation. Maybe it's an exagger- exaggerated representation, but it's not an exact representation. Yeah, when you walk down the street, it doesn't feel like this crazy political boiling pot that we're in. It just feels like you're walking down the high street, you know? Um, Mm. And so, yeah. So for me, I know I had to, and again, it's part of the reason why we spoke about it earlier, why I, uh, and getting more into the running again and everything else is kind of, yes, I need to take that mental space and get away from all of the, the BS, I guess. Yes. Well, it's good. It's very good. You must take care of yourself first before, anything else and keep it to a reasonable amount of um you know here we are making a podcast to put something on the internet <laughs> exactly i i never hide the fact that we are adding to the noise and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not saying we're right um, or unchallengeable or that you know everything we no. say is binary i think well, we're called what's left on the left because we set out with trying to figure out what the position we were left in now that there's Tories have been in power for how many years? 11 12 years. years? Now. Yeah. 11 years. And didn't it? get re didn't get re-elected. Luckily Biden got elected. So that feels a little bit of a uh step up for the left a little bit yeah um although i don't know how much but i've been listening a lot to yanis varoufakis have you listened much to the him the name sounds familiar but um, I, I yeah i, I can look um, picture his face but i wouldn't know yes he's a very very active politician in the greek parliament and they've started a new uh party he used to be finance minister for six months due after the crash um yeah. And he's so interesting. He's actually a um, 
economics professor as well. So I'm learning loads about economics from him. He's on every platform all the time, but he started this um, group called DM25, I think it is. He started it in 2015 with Bernie Sanders. Okay. And it's it's an international, it's a Euro, Europe organisation, but it's international. So countries in Europe and internationally are now setting up and joining in with it. And his aim is to be able to create activities that can act, create action on the ground to affect change without having to go through parliamentary, like nation states, because it's a sort of floating groups that are set up in each individual country. So, yeah. for example, they organised a day when they had um, one zone. I don't I think it was Australia. I can't remember. But they had a day of protest against Amazon, corporate power of Amazon, where they nobody bought anything from Amazon for a day. Yeah, that kind of thing. And because they're organising it on mass now, because he's very much up against the uh, corporate power. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting to see how, you know, it all webs together with the um, he says that there's a dis- disconnect between the stock market and the actual um, what do you call it uh, economics of everyday li- living now, because the um, the big corporations were given socialist bailouts from all the governments and the banks and all the people were given austerity. Yeah. And that's why he explain he uses that to explain how these populist movements have been seeded because the people are living under austerity and they're getting unhappy about it because it's a really hard place to be. Um and meanwhile the, the stock markets are soaring because the 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 big corporations are bailed out and they buy back their own shares and they get more wealthy. And it's, it, you know, it's very interesting well, they, how it's all connected up. They always say, don't they, that uh, I think other than Iceland, Iceland did go hard on it. But certainly in the UK, that not one person went to jail for the financial crash. Absolutely. We lived through, you know, five, eight years of austerity, nearly 10 years of mm. severe austerity. And as you say, the populist movements come out of that. But then... The populist movements are often led by people who also profit from it. It's not, you know, but the, the head of populist movements are very rarely from a council estate who have really struggled and, uh, you know, have lived and really felt the 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 effects of austerity and of cost cutting and of, you know, having every last penny that they they have being eaten up by something else, you know, and that that being kept in that that loop of poverty that mm. that so many people get caught up in you don't have any money and then the minute you do there's somebody you know there's a, a, a fine or a, you know you pay the highest amount of interest on any loans oh or yes terrible you, you, you pay your tax at source so you don't get the chance mm. of finding ways to pay lower tax but they're not the people that are telling you they're on your side it's Nigel Farage it's it's Boris Johnson. You know, when someone like Jacob Rees-Mogg is telling you to trust him and not the establishment, <laughs> you kind of go, hold on a fucking second. <laughs> um, but You are the establishment. Exactly. But 
and you know, I, I, I don't blame anybody for the circumstances they're born into, either at the top or at the bottom. So I don't blame Boris Johnson for the fact that he got born into, you know, relative wealth. But don't pretend like you know what it's like to live on minimum wage and and not know where the next meal is coming from or not know, you know, or worrying every time a letter comes through the door. Is it a bill you can't afford? Is it a, a debt collection company? Are you being told your electric's going to be cut off? You know, they don't live in this. But the trouble is when when people are in that position, there comes a point, and this is where populism really does work, is there comes a point where you think, well, do you know what? What have I got to lose? And that very much isn't a rhetorical question because when you have nothing to lose or when you have very little to lose, then saying, well, do you know what? I might as well vote for for leaving the EU because actually what have I got to lose? Because there is no tangible benefit right in front of you for being in the EU, you know, and when... And although there are benefits, and there are benefits to everybody, if it's hard to see it, I guess. So when you've got someone like Nigel Farage that will spend years saying to you, do you know the reason you haven't got money? Because these foreigners are coming over and they're, they're taking all your jobs while simultaneously taking all your benefits and taking all your housing while simultaneously living on the streets. And, and you know, they would often say, why should we, why should we look after an immigrant when we've got veterans living on the street? And they play those things off of each other. Now, for me, okay, why can't we help both? Why can't we help veterans on the street and help it? Why does it have to be an either-or? Why can't we are, we were the fifth large, you know, fifth biggest economy in the world as a small island state? We were the fifth biggest economy. Why can't we help people that need it from other countries that are coming over in desperation and help veterans on the street? It's not either-or. So, mm. but but when you feel like you have nothing, and when you feel like like the social contract is being broken by everyone else but you, that you're trying to live honestly, you're trying to work, you're trying to not, you know, get involved in crime, you're trying to stay on the right side of the law, you're trying to do everything, but to do that means you have nothing left at the end of the month or, you know, week three of the month. It, it's it's very easy to go, well, what have I got to lose? What have I, I'm, I'm going to vote for the winning side. You know, I'm going to vote for this Nigel Farage because, you know what, he's a bit of a character and why not? Or maybe he is right. Maybe these foreigners coming over are the reason why, you know, a big multi-billion dollar company can't pay me more than the minimum wage. Maybe it's because of somebody. But I get it. I, I don't agree with it and I don't agree with the reasoning that gets you there. But I understand coming from where I've come from, I can understand, uh, yeah, I can understand how people can buy into that narrative yeah i can too and i think um yanis put it very well he said that if you're if you have no potential to increase your own gdp because you're completely disenfranchised and they say to you oh well if we brexit it's going to drop the gdp of the nation by 20 percent you don't care about that argument because you haven't got a gdp you you want everybody's gdp to be 
fucking dropped to the same level as you because you're so screwed over that you don't care about the the national GDP. It has no relevance to you because you've already lost everything. And like you say, exactly what he said, if you've got nothing to lose, you are going to see the other as being the cause of where can I point the finger at my rage um, to blame. And that's what the uh, Dominic Cummings and Nigel Farage is keyed into and Boris Johnson to get those people to say, oh, yeah, we can have those people as our enemy and um, we can fuel our, our rage against those people rather than the actual people that should be blamed for it. And and Yanis is clear that he blames the left as much as he blames the right for this. It's a failure and it needs to be addressed. So that's where we are, I think. Well, the financial crash happened under Tony Blair's government, you know, it's and so it and that's not to say that that government was to blame. But the fact that a financial crash put people in such a bad situation when after, what, 17 years of a Labour government? 17, 15 years of a Labour government? 97 to 2008. So, okay, 11 years of a Labour government. People shouldn't have been in that situation, you know, of a, mm. of a, a truly understanding, caring. Now, things have got worse and funding gets worse and austerity and everything else, but we were doing relatively okay at that point but we still had an economy or we still had a society that didn't look after the most vulnerable in that society so when something like that hits it was then that got done and i think that the thing of where to put that rage i think that actually i i would go as far as saying it gets manipulated because if you start kicking up bear in mind someone like nigel farage has a career in banking. So he's, he's you know, as much as he'll say, I'm not one of the elite, I'm not one of this, I'm not one of that, he he is, he is that. Just because he has a pint and a cigarette doesn't make him one of the lads, you know? He, he very much is in all that, you know? He talks about career politicians and the guy's been in the European Parliament for fuck knows how long, you know? It, that's where mm -hmm. he's made most of his money up to now. So, what, what these people do, and I don't want to use the word elites because I think that that plays into the, the, the game almost, but the people that have most to lose from real systemic change, the people higher up in, in financially in society, they're the ones that will tell you to kick down. Always kick down. You know, before the financial crisis, it was ever thus. You know, people start getting frustrated. Well, you know what it is? It's these teenage mothers having kids and then taking benefits and not working. People get frustrated. Mm. Well, you know what it is? It's all these immigrants coming over and doing this. You know, it's, it would always be, you know, the this person's on benefits, but they've got an iPhone. They're taking the piss out of you. So, well, no, but they may have had an iPhone from three years ago and have lost their minimum wage job. So they could afford an iPhone and were allowed to spend the money, and now they can't afford anything. It's not that they... They went on to benefits and thought, I'm going to buy an iPhone now, you know, it, it, but it's <laughs> but they will continue. And again, it's newspaper owners who have the most to lose when it all goes wrong. They will tell you where to kick. They will tell you who to kick yeah. and you kick down your know, best comedy and best satire kicks up. It's why a lot of a lot of, again, establishment in, in quotes, don't like it because it does kick up. It does kick up at politicians. Good comedy make or good satire as well makes a point and kicks up bad comedy 
when people go, I don't like that comedian or a, a joke that's really bad, it is a, a joke that kicks down. You know, it's why racist jokes, we kind of, we, we say we don't like them because you are kicking down at, at people who are already marginalised, you know. That's why misogynistic jokes, it belongs to a certain era, but Jim Davidson doesn't really have a big, you know, stadium tours going on now because his jokes kick down. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in society. What what newspapers will tell you to do is to kick down, keep kicking down, keep because as long as you're kicking down, you're not kicking up. And if we were all to start kicking up a little bit more, maybe we would start to see systemic change. Maybe we would see cuts not come to benefits, but we'd see as much effort and money is spent in trying to clamp down on benefit fraud. If we spent that money trying to sort out tax evasion and tax avoidance Mm. and making people accountable, actually that'd be money well spent because to catch a benefit fraud probably doesn't make you any money whatsoever. The amount of money it costs to do it, even if you recoup all the money, probably doesn't equate to anywhere near if you get big companies just to pay not more tax, not saying change the tax rate, just to pay the tax that they should be paying in the first place. You know, just pay the tax that you should be paying now. But as long as we keep being told to kick down, then... Yeah, that's very interesting. That's I think you're right. Um, But the other point was made about the vanilla uh, Democrats who, Mm. a bit like the Tony Blair, he quoted, Margaret Thatcher said, my best... The product, best product of my government was Tony Blair. Yeah. The vanilla, the vanilla left, who, who almost, don't threaten the corporations enough, because they don't, they don't want to shake, rock the boat. They want the equilibrium, and so you know Biden now he has raised the corporation tax, but he hasn't put it back up to what it was before because he's still working within that margin of, you know, placating the corporations and working within the swamp, really. And I kind of get that now because I think Bernie Sanders wasn't going to be elected in America because he's too radical. And you need to have a a sort of a a kind of a soft landing democrat democracy or democrats but within that you need something to happen and i'm not sure even with biden it's a little bit like the keir starmer situation i feel like you know i'm really really glad that trump has gone um but i've got some sort of um I'm not a hundred percent enthusiastic about Biden. And that's okay because you know what we don't all have to go. This guy is the best, and because I wanted him to win, I have to stick by everything this person does. You know, we we're no, allowed to change our he's minds. He's not a cult leader. I still think he was the better option of the two, but I would still like to see like, <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris doing more and being more. I'm not saying doing yes. more, but being more um, more the face of things. You know, that was the kind of ticket we were sold, and that hasn't really happened. And, mm. You know, I'm only going to do one term just to clear up the mess from Trump. And now it's, oh, I could do a second term. You know, it's, it's a, hold on a second sausage. I thought we were, uh, I thought we had a little agreement here. Um, yes. But but you're right. It does, time does take change. And I think this is where the progressive left sometimes gets caught up. Because it's often we want change, we want it now. And if Bernie Sanders isn't on the ticket, we're not going to vote at all. And it's like, no, that's you have to remember that 
everybody still gets a vote. So you've got those on the left that will always vote left, no matter what. You've got those on the right that will always vote right. But the people you need to win are the people in the centre, the people that are moderate, the people that are maybe have a bit of both. I think I've said it on this before. On most issues, I'm left. On some issues, I'm centre-right. And, and I can flip between the two, you know, I, I'm, I'm relatively centrist, but more left leaning. Uh, and certainly more le left sympath sympathetic. But to make real change, you have to bring people with you. And just saying to people, we need to change this overnight. And you've got to come with us. And if you don't come with us, you're a bad person. And if we don't get our way, we're going to sulk. Get it, you know, there's not much difference between a, f a really, really, really loyal Bernie Sanders person and a really, really, really loyal Trump person in the way that they pin their hopes on one person and not on ideas. And mm. and that it's, you've got to vote for this person. Or, you know, you, you have to... Change happens, and change can be painfully slow sometimes, and certainly when it comes to government, because government isn't just the people you elect it's it's a whole system of departments it's a whole bureaucracy it's a, it, and and it does come down to a country and it's like moving a mass of people if you want to move that mass of people to the left it takes time you know you have to win the you have to win the arguments is actually what you have to do not just shout we need this we need this and that's 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 not necessarily just the left but i think that talking so from many... a side that i come from yeah, there's so many ways that the 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 action, political action can be sabotaged in the American system of politics, because already you've got the campaign starting for the 2022 midterms and manipulation of the population with the utter drivel that Trump is putting out there. And actually, yesterday I heard a article on the radio saying that Bill Barr has come out and actually flatly denied that what Trump is saying is actually BS and that there was no illegal activity. And apparently Mitch McConnell uh, supported Barr in saying that and said that they needed Trump to get re-elected in the Georgia area. But so they'd have to use Trump for that. But Bill Barr needed to go public and state because they need people to trust the elective process in order for them to get re-elected. Yeah. So Bill Barr went public and stated in some article in the Atlantic Press or something, I can't remember what it was, but um, that that it was BS that what Trump is saying about the illegal election. And they need to dis disabuse people of that concept because there's, I don't know how many millions of people are believing what Trump's saying and he's going to rallies now and he's still saying it. So even though Bill Barr has now come out and said that, yeah. It's not really very loud, is it, to okay. to disabuse them in time for the next round of voting? Although our, our system isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, I do like the fact that we have our general election. We have a limited by law build up to it. So I think it's six weeks that you can mm. campaign and everything else. And then we know for another five years... Whatever the result, even if we don't like the people in there, at least we know we're not going to be having to go through election cycle again. Mm -hmm. So so that at least some where there is cross party agreement and where things can be done, you know, together. 
things can actually start getting done and policies can be enacted and you know mm. what even if it's a tory government if they got elected on a certain brief they can get on with with enacting that thing that they got elected on um because again that's how democracy works democracy works it's not always about when we win unfortunately you know we have to respect the process when we lose as well um mm. And in this country, we're on the losing side, if if you like, from from that side, you know, our, our Trump won again. And so mm. at least some things will get done, no matter what we think. And then we can, uh, the next election cycle for six weeks, we can argue about whether it was the right things. We can argue about what should be done next. We can argue about those things and then we do it and hopefully we get the government that we want in. But if we do or we don't, at least whatever government comes in, they can start putting in place their agenda and 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 fulfilling the promises that they've made um yeah whereas well, the, the, you know, that the, continual the Tories... perpetual election cycle of midterms and then when the midterms are over yes. we're straight on to the next presidential election and we don't do it yes. for six weeks we do it for two years out we're talking about who's going to do it and it's 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 primaries and it's everything else that, mm. that kind of goes on mm. it's that perpetual state of getting into power feels like then nothing actually gets done because it's all about, you know, and, and I think on the left and on the right, sometimes you have to make unpopular decisions. And sometimes it's right to make a decision that's going to be unpopular, but is for the benefit of the economy or for the whatever it is, mm. be that tax raises or be that whatever. Sometimes you have to make decisions that aren't popular. But it gets harder to do that when everybody's thinking about getting elected again in two years, four yes, years. Yes, it um, does. Yeah. Well, the Tory manifesto was based on levelling up. So they got the votes in the in the northern votes. The Red Wall. And so they, they have to do what they said they were going to do in their manifesto if they want to get elected again, because it was those those voters that got them in. They do, but to almost go full circle... You also need a very strong opposition calling out when they don't, because if you don't have a strong opposition calling out when they don't do it and highlighting the fact that they haven't done anything they've promised, then it's the news cycle and everything else is dictated to by Boris Johnson or whoever's in power. And they'll tell you and spin it that they have been doing the things for you. Yeah. And people will believe it and people will vote for them again because they see no credible option on the other side. Which is why Keir right. Starmer's well, actually start, got to start getting, not lying and not going down to their level, but he's got to start fighting a bit more. Um, yes. Well, somebody said, and I'm really annoyed I can't remember who said it, that if our um, political system gave us the um, choice between Corbyn or Johnson, then the system is broken. I can't right. remember who said it. But might have been John Burko. So, I think John Burko has said certainly. This, in, was it in the interviews he's been doing recently? He said something very similar that when when you know we can talk about rigged elections and everything else, but if the choice that the that people have is between Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn, then there is something wrong with the system. Yes, I'm sure it was him. So I, I could be true. wrong, but I, yeah, yeah, that sounds like it's something he would say because. I just thought that is so true because people are put in the position of saying, well, I don't want to vote for Jeremy Corbyn, but I don't want the Tories to get in. And if I don't vote for Jeremy Corbyn, um, I'm going to have to waste my vote. So, you know, yeah. it's like very, I think we need to get this this um, 
Starmer situation heated up a bit in this country, if we've yeah. got time to do that. Um, I, I mean, I wish he would step up and be that thing. But what if we he need isn't is going a female be... leader of the Labour Party. <laughs> Come on, Labour. You well, can there do were this. so many. They were, he was the only male, wasn't he? In the there was a point where <laughs> I think when it got down to the last three, he was he was the last male standing. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Well, anyway, we've had our time slot, so we need to wrap up for today. We have. We've but, done. We're going to start running. Goes by in a flash. It does, it does. We'll have to do it again <laughs> it very soon. It's a flash talking to you. Yes, I'm so thrilled to uh, see you and hear you again. It's just, I'm, I've I missed you to. and I, I was missing you and I was wondering how you are. So I'm really happy to have done our little political junkie fix. And I hope you recover um, soon. I hope... Uh, so do I. Thank you. Well, maybe next time I speak to you, I'll be walking normally instead of like a 400-year-old woman. We can hope. <laughs> I'm atheist, but yes. I'll pray for it anyway. <laughs> Send me some positive vibes, man. Yeah, or something <laughs> okay, like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've listened to us on the, <laughs> if you've listened to us on the podcast, we thank you for joining in with us, and uh, we hope you're all doing really well. And hopefully, we'll be back on again very soon. So, bye for now. Bye.